Matt, step just to recap. Last week, you went to a football game on Monday. You went to a football game on your birthday on Wednesday. You went to a football game on Thanksgiving. You went to another football game, at least one. I think multiple ones. Two on Friday. Two on Friday. And then you went to multiple football games on Saturday. Sounds like a pretty good week. Tap and Step, your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I am the Tep Greg Tepper. And I'm the Step, Matt Step. Thank you for being Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider, and welcome to, um, I mean, it's so weird, it's like week 15, uh, but it, for, for all intents and purposes, it, for the, uh, for this podcast, it's the regional final round uh, That's right. episode of Tep and Step. Um, we are going to talk a lot about uh, football on this show, because that's what we do, and um, we'll talk, I mean, we're going to have a, for those who don't know, we're doing this podcast, and then we're going to do another podcast for um, 6A5A, uh, and I feel like they're going to be two very different podcasts. Yeah, yeah, they're going to be quite different, because uh, yeah, the Slate 6A5A is pretty, it's a pretty barren landscape this week. It is. Like, it's if, if this is ever the week for you to just, like, take a week off of 6A and 5A, there are some great games. And I want you to listen to this podcast whenever it comes out later yeah, today. You're doing a great job selling it, Tepper. I really am. I mean, they've already bought it. Whatever. Uh, please listen to it because uh, there are some good games. But, like, like, when you – especially when you compare it to what we have this week in the small school ranks. Like, if you are the kind of person who can only focus on one thing at a time – um, there is a very clear, uh, like, yeah. delineation here. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, like, you know, that's, that's what's so strange about this is that normally with regional final week, we're just like, oh, man, like, look at all these fantastic games across all the brackets. This is a week that if you just kind of want to take a snooze on, hit the snooze and, and come back to 685A next week when the playoffs start, like, that's, that's, that's not the, it's not a terrible because yeah, you can get your hands on some brackets next week and and take a look at things. Next next week will be fun because we'll have state semifinals and first round matchups in six a five a bracket breakdowns next week in six a five a. So Our, yeah, it's gonna be gonna a fun be, week. We are going to be podcasting a lot over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, just so if you don't like us, tough luck. Yeah. Bad news for you. Um, all right, it's time. This is uh, this is your regional final edition of Tep and Step. But before we get to that, Matthew, let's take a look back to last week in the 4A and below playoffs. And, like, there's always one of these weeks, man. Mm-hmm. Every year, there's always one week where it just feels like there's just this avalanche chaos of, week. It's chaos yeah. week. And and it was, and it's, a, it's the kind of thing that like, because of the nature of it, because it was, it fell on Thanksgiving this week, this year. And you had games that were kicking off at like noon and one, like we were able to sniff this thing out 
starting at about like three thirty on a Friday. We're like, it's gonna be one of the. It's it's in the it's in the air. It's in the you air. Know, we started to get. I started to get that inkling early on Friday during my game. So I was at Brock Jim Ned, and I think I popped into the Slack after Jim Ned returned that that free kick for a touchdown after a safety. And made it nine nothing, and it was like three minutes left in the first quarter. And I'm like, uh, "Hey guys, uh, Jim Ned's up nine nothing. Like, in the first quarter's almost over. Uh, I think we got a ball game here." And you and Ish were kind of like, "Ah, you know, give Brock some time. You know, it'll it'll, it'll kind of work itself let out." The, and then let the machine get warmed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The machine just needed a little, you know, one o'clock start. Need to get some time to warm up, and then it. Right before halftime, Jim Ned scores at sixteen to nothing, and it's like, okay, here we go. Let's let's hold on to your butts now. And then you know the Malakoff Grandview game was going on, and it, it, that was just a banger from the jump. Uh, so it, it got going, it got rolling pretty quick on on Friday, and it, it kept going uh, throughout the day. And, and credit to Brock, you know they came back uh, in that game and made it sixteen to sixteen and showed a lot of heart. But man, Jim Ned, just you know, what can you say about the Indians and that and their performance? It's a huge upset. Um, every, you know, us included, you know, everyone, everyone that I listened to that, that had kind of done playoff breakdowns and things like that, uh, pretty much just, just, just penciled Brock into the state semifinals. And it wasn't yeah. even, it was an afterthought. And so, you know, Jim yeah, we were, pulling we that off was, was big, concerned. big doings. Yeah. We were just a lot more concerned about like Brock playing Grandview or playing Malakoff mm-hmm. or playing mm-hmm. whoever comes out of region two, than we were anybody in region one beating um, between that and then, um, and then you had region, I mean, I don't even know if I would say region two chaos, but, um, I mean, Malakoff finally, finally beat yeah. you. Well, what did we say last week? It was to take it to their effing grave game and yeah. they, they got it done. You know, they got they, it done. Um, um, so, you know, and then the, the, you know, the Mount Vernon Mineola game was crazy just because Mineola just so many chances to win that game. You know, just turnovers in the red zone. Credits about Vernon's defense. They came through and got got the big win. But that was that was just a weird game just following it online. It was twelve to seven. You just don't see a twelve to seven score line very often. So that was a weird deal as well. And then you had uh, you know, Jonathan Brooks and Hallettsville just just going bonkers Friday night. Just just let's just make the whole plane out of Jonathan Brooks. Dude, he's, dude, he's the hottest player. I mean, this is oh, wow. Who is hotter right now, Jonathan Brooks or Andrew Body? It's tough. It's tough. They're both still rolling, and and yeah, it's it's great. You know, and, and then you know, and then you look at Austin LBJ. What a huge win for Jamal yeah. uh, Jamal Finner and that program to beat to beat the the master and Phil Danaher and Cal Allen on a Friday night. Big win for LBJ. It sets up a really fascinating matchup. We'll talk about. I'm sure LBJ and Miller, and then uh, I don't, I don't think we can have this podcast without talking about. 2A Division One. Uh, first off, we'll talk Shiner Refugio because everyone wants to talk about that. But uh, I think we have to tip our cap to the post Antelopes and the most dominant performance that I think I've seen in, in years. Uh, I'm I like you and I were going. We were we were looking through that box score like together. We were looking through it, and it is it is shocking. Like it is it is it is. I, like the the word the word shocking is not strong enough. It it is jaw on the floor dominant when you consider what Panhandle had been doing to teams. Yeah. Like 
like like that i mean you you and i like i mean, I mean i'm uh, this is gonna sound we're on the premium podcast i hope i hope this doesn't take uh, 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 like people don't take offense to this this it was a box score like you see with like lancaster playing some of their district teams yeah yeah it was an overmatched district opponent box score yeah that's what it was it's like the, these box scores happen it was you know it, they, they happen but they happen in, in district play whenever you have like season. a super good team like a top 10 team that's taken on a team a program that's really just trying to get its feet under everything yeah that's but that's what happened in the regional semifinals yeah uh, yeah, posts. I mean, when, when I was following uh, our good friend Alexis Cubit from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal was covering the game, and so you know, I'm following her tweets, and I, and I guess I missed the first couple of scores while I was covering my game, and I see her in the first quarter tweet, and she's like, in the first quarter, post thirty, uh, panhandle nothing, and I'm like, what? Thirty to nothing at the end of the first quarter? So I click on her profile and start going back to the timeline, and it's just an array. Of three and outs for Panhandle and touchdowns for Post. And it's just, I mean, 40 Panhandle averaged 58.7 points per game coming into that game. It's a really good Panhandle offense. And they yeah. they had less less yards than they averaged points for the season in that game. 44 yards of offense in the game. Uh, just incredible. Also, yeah. And uh, but you know who we, you know who actually we need to shout out. You know who we need to shout out, and this is going to sound weird, but we need to shout out the computers because the computers had that sniffed. They sniffed it out. No, no one in the media really, like even no. folks like us. Like I, I thought Post was going to win the game. Yeah. You know, I, I thought Post would win by 10, 10 or eleven. You know that kind of thing. Uh, and the computers, all all the rating services, our computer, Padilla, Harris, they all had this game. Uh, I think the short, smallest spread I saw was like twenty seven. Yeah. So they all sniffed it out ahead of us. I mean, between and that's there. That scares that, me. Scares me. Yeah, I, I fear. The, yeah, the computers. The computers have 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 figured us out. I fear our, our robot overlords. The uh, but then there was all. I mean, we haven't even mentioned. I mean, it was that dense of like a shocking week. That like we didn't even mention Caddo Mills beating Pleasant Grove. Yeah. Like we lost like for the first time since 2016, Pleasant Grove won't be in a title game. Like you know that's kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, and then you know now now look that's that's. Let me rephrase. If they had gone, I I do not think. Well, that's interesting. Did you did you think PG was going to make a title game? Um, no, I had them losing next, next round to Gilmer. Gilmer. I think Gilmer's okay. got, I think Gilmer's the best team in region two. Uh, we'll see this week cause Cattle yeah. Mills obviously has got something to say about that. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, Pleasant Grove Gilmer, I thought was a toss up game. So, you know, credit to Cattle Mills and the Foxes. Tyler, Tyler Townley's, uh, is, is a game. He's, awesome, he's, man. He, he's, I think I, he's this year's ace whitehead in a lot of ways, taking kind of a, an unheralded team to, to heights that we haven't seen in quite some time. Um, and really putting that team on his back. He's, you know, Ace Whitehead probably had a better supporting cast. And I'm not trying to down Cattle Mills or anything like that, but, but you know, Ace Whitehead's got a few Division One guys around him and that kind of thing. Or Townley, I mean, he's just got a bunch of good high school football players around him. Yeah. Uh, and then there was also, by the way, uh, now, uh, Hamlin going down to Munster. Um, Munster, Brady Carney works his magic again. And yeah. uh, it's act, man, I'll tell you, it's actually a lot of shades of that title of that title run they had uh, back what 2016. Is that right? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Very reminiscent of how they played. Uh, a funny Brady Carney story. So uh, I named we named him, you know, Coach of the Week this week, and so. He, you know, he kind of goes, oh, thanks for the honor. You know, I, I did, a, you know, he texted me. He's like, hey, thanks for the honor. You know, I did a whole a whole bunch. He was like, you know, really was the kids, that kind of thing. And then I, I texted him back and said, hey, you know, I said, I said, you know, congratulations. You know, I'll see you Thursday. I, I got to come see the coach of the week. And he just replies back. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Uh, yeah, it was it was just a wild and woolly week, and 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 uh, like a lot of it was centralized around three A Division one, but like everywhere you looked, you could find. Something. By the way, we didn't even mention like like this is this is how wild of a week it was. We are at the end of our recap segment, and I'm just going to mention in passing that Argyle beat La Vega in the playoffs. Yeah, it's just kind of like oh, oh, oh um, hey, look at them, they they did it. Good for them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a, we talked about it a lot last week, but it, like it's a great win for them, and and yeah, I mean, they're they, I think they they've got to be the favorite in four division one, or you know, no worse than, than co favorite. So, all right, let's get into our regional final draft. Uh, this is the last week of this for the small schools. Okay, yeah, next week we're gonna talk about them all next week. Next week we're doing our we're doing our our, our viewing guide. Uh, we're just going straight through all the games from Thursday until Saturday. Yeah, um, we may we may uh, may not get into quite the detail on the games because we're gonna to have to hit all twelve, but we'll we'll touch on them. Absolutely. Um, so let's start with our draft the regional finals if this is your first episode of tep and step welcome uh here's how it works step and i go back and forth selecting games that we are most interested in this week any game that is played in the in the uil texas high school football playoffs this week is eligible once it's selected it is off the board we had a coin flip before the game it is with deep regret that i announced that matt step won the coin flip yes. and i if you do not take the game that i think you're going to take I think we might have to talk about your employment going forward. <laughs> well, I, I, if, if the game you're speaking of is Shiner Refurio, I'm absolutely taking Shiner Refurio as my 1-1. One one. This is the game. Uh, and uh, With the unique start time, this is going to have pretty much all eyes in the state on it because uh, they're kicking off at 1 o'clock on Friday. And do, do you want to get into why this game is at one o'clock on Friday? Or? I, I I would yes, actually. Okay. I, was, I I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention. So both schools really wanted to play at the Alamo Dome just because they could, you know, the Alamo Dome for COVID COVID protocols. I think they're seating eleven thousand right now, so plenty big enough for everyone to see the game that wants to see the game. Uh, and they really, they really wanted to get out of the elements and play in, in the dome. Um, however, the Alamo Dome is booked Friday night for a for the Frontier Bowl, which is a five A five A local game. Uh, McCollum and Harlandale are playing. They've already had that stadium booked for quite some time. Friday night, uh, well, the Alamo Dome and C- City of San Antonio did not want to have to open the stadium up on Thursday, so Shiner Refugio could not. They, they, Shiner Refugio originally wanted to play Thursday night, but the city would not open the stadium for their for their use on Thursday night. So the stadium, so the city said. You can play on Friday, but you got to play at one because we need time between games to clean the stadium up. So instead of that four o'clock, seven thirty kind of doubleheader back to back, they staggered it so that way in between games they can clean up, clean the locker, deep clean the locker rooms, deep clean, you know, clean, clean up for the next game. So that's why you have the one o'clock Friday um, yeah, kickoff. I'll just, uh, I'll just, I'll just say this: I have, I have, a, I have an inkling. That uh, in Lavaca County and in uh, Refugio County, there's going to be an awful lot of personal dates 
Well, I think both schools are out Friday. I think both schools took a took a holiday on Friday. So <laughs> even better, Texas high school football, baby. So uh, and the, I can guarantee you there will be a lot of people watching uh, the online stream in uh, present company included. Uh, I think hard hard out on TF today, twelve forty five Friday. Yeah, yeah, hard I, out. I I, I I texted Pickle that I was like, we're done at twelve forty five, and that yeah. is not a suggestion. We're 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 ordering takeout at noon at twelve thirty. Takeout's arriving. We're gonna we're gonna settle in and watch uh, Shiner Furio at one. So uh, the after not a lot's getting done in the afternoon. So uh, if you remember, this game last year was was a bonkers game. Shiner led by two scores late in the game, and and for lack of a better term, they 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 peed down their leg at the end of the game and Referio took full advantage and stunned Shiner with a, a touchdown, an onside kick and another, I think a touchdown late. Maybe it was a field goal late. I can't remember, but they, they kicked an onside kick and recovered it. There may have, there may have been multiple onside kicks. It, it was crazy at the end, but, but Referio Shiner dominated for about 46 minutes of that game and Referio kind of pulled one out late and, and ended up winning a state title. And so you look at Shiner and that thing has been stewing for a year because they felt like last year was their year and they, they had kind of this, this, this great class that's coming through that they could win back to back state titles. And they basically feel like a state title got ripped out from under them. So, you know, they've had this one circled for a while Um, and they've been proving it week after week after week. You know, they just, you know, Mason's not, this is not a vintage Mason team, but it's still a really good Mason team. And, it was fifty-six to nothing, Shiner. I mean, it was, and it probably could have been a lot worse. I, mean, I think it was, I think it was forty-two nothing at halftime. Just Shiner just demolished Mason. I mean, Doug and Dalton Brooks, Ty Palmer, Tyler Palmer. Th- this offense for Shiner is just lethal. And I mean, I don't know how you match up with Doug Brooks at two hundred and seventy-five pounds and, and, and a kid who can move carrying the football at that level. And then you factor that in with Dalton Brooks, who's got a Texas offer, among other things. And Shiner's skill skill talent's really, really good. But, you know, Refurio, they don't they're not scared of Shiner. They they have they've had Shiner's number. And Jason Herring is in, in that, you know, that that crew at Refurio, confident. Um, you know, they really walk that line between confident and cocky and they, they walk it well, but they, they they fear no one and they they've kind of been just as dominant as Shiner. They Blow out Ganado fifty four to two, you know the, the Bobcats get a lot of players involved in the offense. This is going to be a, a an absolute barn burner, and I think I think this is Shiner. This is Shiner's year. This is kind of the take it to your effing grade game for for Shiner. This this because this is the senior class's you know shot here. They, they 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 let it slip away last year. This is the last shot for these seniors, and if they don't get it done, you know maybe a while before Shiner's back in this in this position. I, I think Shiner's going to get it done. They've got everything to play for so much motivation. Um, they just have to kind of make sure that they're even they're, they're, they're not too, too sky high for this game because you can't come out so emotional that things, when things go bad, you kind of crash. They've got to make sure they're even keeled, but they've got to come out with that fire and energy and that energy. And, and I think they'll get it done, but it's really going to be fascinating to see how Shiner comes out because this is such an emotional game for them. Two things here. Um, well, a million things. But um, one thing I'm interested in, I, 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 like, I think a lot of this game comes down to uh, Shiner's offensive line against Refurio's defensive line. Shiner's, Shiner's, I mean, Shiner can throw the ball. Like, they're, they're a decent throwing team. But, like, make no mistake, this is a team that runs the ball. Like, Absolutely. So... 
if the Shiner offensive line holds up and there and Doug Brooks is, is and, and Dalton Brooks are, are banging out seven eight yards a run, like they're in business. Another thing, I think I think the key player, the number one most important player in this game is Jordan Kelly, the wide receiver for for Refurio, because he is probably Refurio's most notable mismatch. Um, he is a he is a weapon on the outside. He had two long touchdown catches in their game last year, um, and he's and and there is you know so so how does Shiner attack him? Of of course, new quarterback in this one in Hesseltine is that it? That's yeah, Hesseltine. Hesseltine. Thank you, um, Hesseltine. Caleb Hesseltine. Um, you know he's not Austin Ochoa, but he's pretty darn good. I would say he's not the runner that Austin Ochoa was, um, uh, but he is definitely a guy who can who can make some throws. The other thing for me, and this is the, one of the reasons I think I give Shiner a little bit of an edge. They, while both teams have been at like like borderline, like absurdly dominant, Shiner has played in a couple close games. Mm-hmm. Now it's been a while, uh, but they played. Remember, they played a one score game against East Bernard. Uh, and then who they open with? Hallettsville. Hallettsville. You still want to talk about a win that's aged well? Yeah, they beat Hallettsville. Um, but both those games were close. Yeah, they pulled away from Hallettsville late. That score did not indicate. That yeah, was think, kind of a one-score game most of the night. I think Shiner tacked on a couple of scores late with Hallettsville. Yeah, I think they so, won by fourteen or something like that. Yeah, that, you're right. That was a close game. That was a four-quarter game. And that's a three A D one regional finalist Hallettsville. The 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 Refurio has not played a game within three scores. Uh, they have not played they or uh, I'm sorry they played one game they played Edna uh, and and they won by twenty one. Like so, if this game is close late, like, one team's been there and one team has. That's what's yeah. so amazing is that like is like I, I don't know I look, I look at Refurio and one thing I question I don't know if they I mean I'm, they're obviously great I don't take anything away from them. I don't know who they've played, man. The schedule, yeah, I mean, they, they tried to schedule, you know, they played Divine, a, a 4A opponent, but, I mean, Divine's an average 4A at best. They got blown out in the first round of the playoffs, you know, in 4A. But other than, I mean, I think Shiner's definitely played the the tougher schedule, even in the district. I mean, Shiner had to deal with Ganado in, in, in district play. Um, and Refugio blew him out. That's still a third-round playoff team within the district. I mean, Shiner's... I mean, the East Bernard game was a one-score game, but in reality, if Shiner doesn't turn the ball over seven times, Shiner was minus seven in the turnover battle against a good 3A Division II team at East Bernard. A, and a, top, still, five, a top five. At the time, yeah. yeah. And they still won the game. <laughs> and then they beat a 3A Division I regional finalist, you know, going away. So um, they're battle-tested. With, with, that, with that said, like, you're exactly right. Refurio's two advantages in this game are Jordan Kelly and that's, and that swagger and like knowing that like, yeah, no, this is Shiner. We own Shiner. We've knocked them out of the playoffs the last two years. Like, and we're going to make it a third. We've broke, we've broken their hearts and we, yeah. we live, Refurio lives for these kind of things too. These are the kind of things that, 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 that fuel Refurio. And so they would, they would love nothing more than to, to break Shiner's hearts again. But I think Shiner's. I think. I think it's. I think this is Shiner's time. I think it's. I think it's. It's their time. I think so too. I think it's a coin flip, but I think so too. Uh, all right. So there is pick one one. I am going to go to four A. 
7.30 p.m. Friday in Midlothian. Uh, at Midlothian ISD Stadium. As the... Let's talk about the China Spring. China Spring in Carthage. China Spring is basically just, at this point, the, the giant killer. That's yeah. what they are. Mm-hmm. They are they are mowing down people left and right. And by, so, like, we, so in the by district, they beat Jasper, number five in the state. And kind of kind of dominate them, okay? Then they go out and they beat number two, West Orange Stark, and kind of dominate them. And then last week, they go out there and they beat number nine, Seeley, and kind of dominate them. Yeah. Like, these are these are not just wins. Like, these are not, this is not just them coming up with the big play. Like, okay, I go back to, I keep drawing comparisons to last year's Pottsboro team. But Pottsboro was a team that their whole MO in the playoffs was, we're going to hang around, we're going to hang around, and then we're going to make that play late. Like, that's how they got to a state championship game last year, was mm-hmm. for Pottsboro. This is not that for China Spring. China Spring's just going out there and just flat out wrecking fools. Yeah, they're bludgeoning <laughs> people right now in the playoffs. I mean, they are. And so they have been, I mean, and, and Major major Bowden, their quarterback, has been fantastic. Emmanuel Abdallah, their running back, has been fantastic. I think their defense has, has found the right time to peak. I think their defense is playing its best ball right now. And they have slayed three Giants in a row. And here comes the Giants. <laughs> the biggest of the Giants. The biggest of the Giants um, in, in Carthage, who, like, it, it's so odd because, like, I feel like for a team, um, for a team like that's that's number one in the state and has been number one in the state all year long, wire to wire. I don't know if we've talked a ton about them, and and I think part of it is that, well, at least let's put it this way: we have not talked about them since uh, the, the Jasper the, game, probably. The Jasper last game, time. yeah. It's been two months basically since we've talked about them, but like. Ho hum! They've just been clobbering fools. They've just been clobbering fools. And and as much as we talk about Kai Horton, and as much as we talk about Mason Courtney, and what has been a really, really emphatic, uh, terrific offense, they're a defensive team. Carthage yes. is a defensive juggernaut, and that is to me the fascinating thing here. Is this China Spring offense has cracked the code on? Legit, very good defenses. Like, they cracked the code against Jasper. They cracked the code against West Orange Stark, who had been maybe the best defense in the state. Um, Can they do it again against Carthage, against the number one team? Um, It's one of those things that, like, how much do you, like, value... um, The hot hand? The hot hand, because China Spring is the hottest hand. (laughs) They They are the hottest hand. Um, I think I think you're crazy to pick against uh, 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 Scott Surratt in the playoffs. Like, plain and simple. Um, basically ever. But they are not invincible in the playoffs. They have lost before. Um, rarely, but rarely. Yeah, let's throw out the stat again. Scott Surratt has more, has more state championships than he has playoff losses. Right. Seven state right. titles, six playoff losses. So... My thing in this game is China Spring is fairly one-dimensional. When you look at their stats throughout the year, they are they, they rely on Abdallah and Bowden running the football. Um, they don't throw it very often, 
And I just feel like one-dimensional teams most of the time against Carthage just don't really stand much of a chance. If you're one-dimensional, Scott Surratt and that coaching staff at Carthage is good enough and that their personnel is good enough where they're going to they're going to stop you. And you, you know, the, the, to beat Carthage, you have to be balanced. And and I just don't see the kind of balance that that you need to, to beat Carthage. I think China Spring keeps us competitive, and this is not going to be one of those games where Carthage, you know, even last week against against Salado, you know, Salado beat China Spring in the regular season, but Salado and that slot T offense, they, they just didn't stand a chance against Carthage. I mean, it was it was twenty eight nothing at halftime, and Carthage scored right out of the gate in the second half and made it thirty five nothing, and basically just took everybody out and they just crew, you know, it's, it could have been a lot worse if Carthage wanted to. So I just feel like those one dimensional teams struggle against Scott Surratt and the Carthage offense. Do you know, I mean, the thing is, it's, 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 I go back to China Springs uh, by district game against Jasper. China spring is, is they, they actually profile pretty closely with Jasper. Like, those are they're they're relatively similar teams, I, I would say. And Carthage went on the road and beat Jasper by seventeen, um, you know, yeah. back 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 in in early October. So, um, yeah, look, I think China Springs got a shot because China Springs got to be feeling themselves right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think the nod ha- like it has to go to Carthage. You have to take them in this game. Uh, but that said, China Spring has spent the entire the last month making us look real dumb. Yeah, so, yeah. I will say I did pick I did pick China Spring last week. I didn't. They didn't make me look dumb last week. I picked them yeah, last week. So I think I did too. I picked I picked against them in their first two playoff games. Yeah, not the same. third. Yeah. So it's only three out of four. So, yeah. All right. I'm taking Carthage China Spring. What is your second pick, Matthew? So I'm gonna go uh, down to San Antonio Saturday two thirty Ferris Stadium. The matchup that I think is one of the most fascinating matchups of the weekend. As Corpus Christi Miller takes on Austin LBJ in the Region 4 final in 4A Division 1. And the reason why this matchup is fascinating for me is because you've got strength on strength in this game. That flamethrower Corpus Christi Miller offense led by quarterback Andrew Body and his array of skill talent going up against the LBJ defense and particularly the secondary, which is loaded with Division One talent with Andrew McCuba, who's committed to Clemson, and Latrell McCutcheon, who's committed to Oklahoma uh, in the secondary. Um, that matchup's going to be fascinating because McCuba and McCutcheon are good enough one-on-one to take away the two outside receivers from Miller. So now, with that being said, how does Andrew Body and the Corpus Christi Miller offense uh, adjust when their two receivers just can't dominate the game like they did against Lampasas uh, a couple a couple of weeks ago. Um, that's the matchup I'm really fascinated by because I think we're really going to get a look at how Andrew Body handles checking down, run, throwing throwing over the middle, um, taking taking what the defense gives him that kind of thing. I think this could be a real big Andrew Body running the ball game. Um, I think we could see Body, you know, take to take to the ground a lot like he did against Lampasas when he ran for almost 200 yards. Um, <clears throat> on the flip side of that, you talk about LBJ, uh, and the LBJ's offense is really starting to kind of come into their own and, and play well. Um, sophomore quarterback Oscar Gordon 
Um, you know, Coach Fenner told me after the Alice game that Coach, that Oscar, his quarterback, who's a sophomore, really struggled early in the year because he just didn't have a lot of work. He didn't get a lot of seven. He didn't get any seven on seven work. He didn't get that off season work that that he probably needed early on. So he was kind of learning on the job. The learning curve was a lot steeper for him early in the year as he was trying to play catch up. You look at it now. And against Alice and even against last week against Cal Allen, he's really started to, to pick his game up, be more accurate, throwing the football, making good decisions in the pocket. They've got two good running backs in Daquan Donaldson and Cedric Alexander. So this is a, an LBJ offense that I think is, is trending up. And they're going against a Miller defense that, well, is, you know, they're going to give up points. Miller's defense. It's an average defense. It's Yeah, it's not an elite defense. So, um I think this game comes down to, 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 you know, the Miller offense. Can they put enough pressure on the LBJ offense to keep up with them? Because that's not what LBJ – LBJ does not want to get into a, a 40 to 50-point shootout with, with Miller. They want to keep the game kind of like they did last week against, against Cal Allen, kind of in that 30 – to 20, 20 to 30 point range. You know, they, they don't want it. They want, they don't want the game to get in the forties because now you're asking an LBJ offense that, that can be, that has bouts of inconsistency to keep up with what probably is the most consistent offense in class four, a division one. So um, that's the real fascinating matchup in this game. I, I, I'm going to go with the quarterback in this game. I'm going to go with Miller because they've got the guy riding the hot hand at Andrew body. But I think if there's a team that could be their kryptonite, it's this LBJ ball club. Yeah, uh, in in hindsight, it's weird because like, and this is this is this is, you know, it's easy to say now. If you go back to that LBJ Cal Allen game, in a lot of ways, basically like a lot of that game came down to whether or not LBJ could just straight up match up up front, and would they get would they get their doors blown off in the trenches? That's basically that was the whole the whole game, and they didn't. I would say they probably played it to about a draw. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. up up front. Once they did that, it was kind of over. Like you kind of like, okay, well, everything else is a good matchup for them because they can load up. This is a one-dimensional team in, in, in Cal Allen. It's, I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's just the truth. They're a running team. Yep. That is what makes this so fascinating is this is not a one-dimensional offense. This no. is a very multiple offense, and I think that you are exactly right that a lot of this is going to come down to – Andrew Body making the right decisions, making the right reads, and probably having to carry the ball fifteen times, twenty times yeah. in this game. Because I think you're right. I don't. I don't know how they're going to match him up, but I wonder if you're just going to have put Andrew Makuba on Lonnie Atkinson and just say, "All right, you're done. Like you, you don't get you don't get to catch the ball today." Yeah, Makuba's going to do Atkinson and and, um, and the other receiver, the, uh, Lloyd, Adrian Lloyd. You know, McCutcheon go takes him, and you've basically taken away their two big outside targets. So now it's a matter of does Body and then the running game with McCulley and Williams, and Ethan Gatewood, um, get rolling and kind of the Lampasas game plan against LBJ, because that was kind of the Lampasas game plan against LBJ. LBJ was hell-bent on taking away Lampasas' passing game, so Lampasas just said, okay, we're just going to run the ball and run run right at you, and we're just going to spread you out and run the ball and yeah. take time off the clock and kind of control the game. So that's, does can, can Miller replicate that kind of game plan? It's fascinating. It's a good pick there. Um, all right. I'm going to go to some Thursday action. 7.30 p.m. Friday. I'm going to stay in kind of uh, – we did one game in Midlothian. Let's do a game in Arlington at the former home of your Texas Rangers, Globe Life Park. 
as the Gunner Tigers, the defending three Division II state champions, take on Eastland. It's a Thursday game, actually. Yeah. Did I say Friday? I'm sorry. Yeah, I meant Thursday. Um, 7 o'clock Thursday in Arlington. And these this is a really interesting clash in styles. Gunner is used to playing in clashes of styles because everyone's kind of a clash in style to Gunner. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you have Eastland with Baron Morton in this wide open spread and, 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 and a guy who I think is really coming along after, after not playing early in the year, um, going up against this pistol option offense from Gunner that is just so hard to slow down. Uh, here's one thing that I think is interesting as I was diving into this game. Um, they have thrown the ball a fair amount. Gunner has Gunner has turned to Hut Graham, Hudson Graham, and they've let him let it rip a little bit. I think he's thrown for like fourteen hundred yards this year, which by great by Gunner standards is like that's like throwing for seven thousand yards. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but they have they have uh, done that in in a lot of different you know they they, they have let him loose a little bit. They of course are going to run the ball at Ethan Sloan and that 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 bevy of running backs back there, but they do have that trick in their back. And I think that that was one of the things that Jake Fizell wanted to do was establish that we are not just a running team. We are able to do that because I think last year Hudson Graham was a bus driver. He was a distributor. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I think he's more of a weapon. Um, what I think is interesting is, is first of all, let me make sure I'm not talking out of my butt here. But I am pretty sure this is one of the first really good quarterbacks that Gunner has played this year. Um, oh, they played Braden Plyler, but they lost to Braden Plyler. Yeah, they got they their their secondary kind of got like kind of they, they struggled in that game. Yeah, they struggled. Yeah. That was early. That was three months ago. But still, um, you can make an argument that the last time they played a truly excellent quarterback, they got torched. Mm-hmm. Um. A lot of this comes down to how much stock you put in what Eastland did last week against Holiday, because last week against Holiday, I think, I think, I think Gunner is in a lot of respects kind of a better version of Holiday, and yeah. a more unique. Like they are a physical team, they want to run the ball, uh, and then they want to win with defense. Eastland had to pull it out at the end, get some heroics from, especially on the ground from Baron Morton, uh, but they did it. They will need to. This is this is taking that same game and kind of upping the difficulty uh, from a schematic perspective, upping the difficulty from a personnel perspective. Um, it's interesting because the other thing I will say, and I think would be interesting, what what I'm I'm very interested in the first quarter of this game. If East if Eastland comes out and jumps out to like a fourteen nothing lead, I mean Gunner Gunner can score, but Gunner's also not really built to chase. Yeah, you know. So I don't know. <laughs> Eastland. So Eastland last week they they turned they they turned the ball over twice in the red zone against Holiday. They cannot play that kind of game against Gunner and expect to win. You know they've got to be really on point with all of their red zone possessions because I I think stops are going to be at a premium in this game on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. I think I think that you're right, um, and that's kind of I think that both these offenses are going to be able to cook a little bit. The question is, who's going to be able to come up with those stops? Or, I mean, I hate to say it, but like, who's going to make that mistake? Who's going to who's going to turn the ball over in the red zone? Who's going to put the ball in a dangerous spot? I think Gunner's. I think Gunner's your favorite. Um, look, they're the number two team in the state for a reason. 
Um, and they've been, this is this is old hat for Gunner. This is their yeah. fifth straight regional final appearance, and they're looking for their fifth straight regional title. Yeah, uh, this is this is all new for Eastland. It's been, I mean, this has been. You know, I think the last time Eastland uh, made this run was when they won the state championship back in the early '80s, when uh, some guy named James Morton was playing for them. Ah, uh, yes, I I seem to remember that name. I wonder if he ever had a kid. My I point is, my, I think that this has a ch- this is this is one of those games a that like game, yeah, it could go a couple of ways. One way it could go is that this game is that like Gunner just kind of chokes the life out of them. Eastland plays a bit of a sloppy game. Gunner puts pressure on Baron Morton, and this game ends up like 34-21, and we're like, oh well, that was that was kind of a popcorn fart. Yeah. Or this game could get weird and wild, and either one of them I think are, are relatively equal equal chances. Eastland uh, does weird and wild well. They won a game ninety-one to seventy-one this year. They they want to get they want to get crazy. They yeah. Get crazy and 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 for Gunner who is so regimented and so like this is the way we play and we do it exceptionally well and then we're just good like the like if this game gets crazy and it gets weird, Eastland that's the soup they swim in. You know, so I'm I'm really I'm especially like tell me what's happening after the first quarter. If it's fourteen nothing Eastland, like let's freaking go. But if it's like if it's like fourteen seven Gunner, I'm like I feel like I know where this game's going. So anyway, yeah. I'm very interested. all right. What is your third and final pick, Matthew? I'm going to go back to two A Division One, which has, has the bangers this week, and I'm going to go Friday night at Abilene at Abilene Christian University's Anthony Field as the 13 and 0 Post Antelopes take on the 10 and 3 Cisco Lobos in a fascinating regional final. Um, and when you look at this game, you, you look at Cisco and you're like, oh, they're 10 and 3. They they had some struggles this year. Look look at their three losses, and then you'll go, oh, okay, Cisco's okay. Cisco's lost to Jim Ned. Uh, that's a 3A Division One still playing. Lost to Wall, another 3A Division One, uh, who lost in the second round of the playoffs, and they lost to Comanche, a 3A Division Two playoff team. Not bad, not a bad loss in the mix. Cisco, when they've played 2A opponents, has been just as dominant as Post has been. And you look at last week, we talked about Post and, and what they did to Panhandle. 68 to nothing, 40 tackles for loss, 44 yards of offense allowed. It was 60 to nothing at halftime. You know, you, we've, we've, we've hashed out the post domination last week. Well, Cisco was pretty dang dominant as well against a really good Hawley squad, uh, beating them 54 to 20. And you remember a couple weeks ago, Cisco blew out San Saba, uh, you know, who was a really good team at the end of the regular season. This is a Cisco squad that's young and playing their best football of the year. Um, they forced five turnovers last week. Yeah. Two backs, top 100 yards. Um, this is this is going to be a smash mouth, physical, old school kind of game because both these teams have the same school colors and they have similar personalities. They want to line up and they're going to run right at you. They're going to play. They're going to rely on speed on the defensive side of the ball and they're going to be physical. So all these things, it's going to be probably a little chilly on Friday night. Football weather. It's going to be a great night in, in Abilene Friday night. I think that the key in the the big thing in this game for me. When I look at this matchup, is Post is a senior laden. You know, remember last year we saw Post and they were all juniors basically. Well, now those guys are all seniors. They've been through these battles. They played for a state title last year, going up against a Cisco team that is relatively young. 
And I think I wonder if that big game experience for Post having that senior leadership is going to to be the catalyst for them in this ball game. While while Cisco, I, I think with their youth. I think we're probably going to see Cisco back in this situation the next year or two. Um, this is post time, kind of like we talked about with Shiner. It's kind of their time. I think post this is their this is the, this is their time right now, and I think that senior leadership is going to find a way in this big ball game to come out with a with a hard fought win. But it's going to be a close game. It's going to be fat. It's going to be really really interesting. But I think that senior experience and, and leadership is the edge in this ball game. Do you realize that? The last time Post allowed double-digit points this season was uh, in their season opener. No, I didn't know. I did not know that. Let me read off their points allowed. Okay, fourteen to Tolar in their opener, right? In, in on August twenty-eighth. August twenty-eighth. Okay, I want you to think about August twenty-eighth. Okay. Here we go. Ready? Seven, six, seven, seven, six, zero, 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 forfeit, forfeit, six, zero. It's pretty good. Um, and and now look, they weren't going to give up the. All due respect to our friends at Tahoka, they weren't going to give up double digit points at Tahoka. No. And all due respect to Stinnett West Texas, probably weren't giving up double digit points to them. Um, they are allowing. They've allowed fifty. Oh, that's that's not fair because there's two forfeits in there, but they've allowed 53 points in 11 games. It is shocking dominance from the defense. Like forget Ashton Jefferson for a second, and as good as he's been, and 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 all like uh, um, Slade and Pittman and all of those offensive weapons. Like the defense has been shocking, and. I'm, I'm as good as Cisco has been, and I think you're right. That's an offense that is that is feeling itself right now. I am just not sure that they their arms are long enough to punch with God right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that is absurd defensive dominance. Um, yeah. Okay, good pick. I bah, 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 where do I want to finish? Yeah, here's what I want to do. I want to go. Let me make sure I know where this game is. Let's go to 7 o'clock Friday at Hanby Stadium in Mesquite. A 3A Division I Region 2 final. 3A Division I's got four really interesting games, all for different reasons. Um, Pilot Point Jim Ned's super interesting. The game we're going to talk about is interesting. Columbus Hallettsville district rematch. Um, uh, and then Lano Lago Vista, a district rematch. Four really interesting games. The one that has my eye is Mount Vernon and Malakoff. And, and with all due respect to Pilot Point and Jim Ned, are you of the belief that the winner of this game is playing at AT&T? Yes. I am too. Yeah. Um, let's talk a moment about Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon comes away with a really they they basically they walked the knife's edge twice this year against Mineola. Like uh, you go back to remember they beat them 23-20 in overtime, yeah. In overtime mm-hmm. on October 9th and then they beat them 12 to 7. And by the way, they've been walking the knife's edge all year. Okay? They play a ton of close games, okay? They beat here's here's their what's happened since that Mineola game. OK, 
okay? They had a forfeit, but then they lose to Winsboro by two. They lose to Pottsboro by six, forfeit. They beat Gladewater by eight. They beat West by three. They beat Mineola by five, okay? They have had a knack from winning the close games, and it's impressive. You know, they, they are not – I don't think they're a team that blows you away, but they're a team that wins on the margins. They're a team that wins on the margins, and that Brock Neller, their quarterback, is is a – he's a gamer, man. He's a gamer. He, he is. He really is. And and I think that their defense has played really well the last two weeks against against West and especially last week against Mineola. Now, Mineola, I think, helped them out, but there's that. Malikoff has no interest in playing a close game. None. Zero interest in playing a close game. Yeah. They go out there, and they want to bury Mount Vernon. Okay? And I think that's the real key. I think the real key for this game, Mount Vernon or Malikoff, of course, coming off of that 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 uh, that big win over Grandview, um, an emotional win, can they recenter themselves? Because, look, if you go with common opponents, right – Mount Vernon lost to Pottsboro by six, okay? Mm-hmm. At home, by the way. Po- uh, two weeks ago, Malakoff beat Mount Ver- uh, beat Pottsboro by 52. So if you're looking for common opponents, they also, you know, then then the common opponent there would be Malakoff. I think this game gets decided in the first quarter, at least the first half, because yeah. I think that there is a, there is a, a fair chance that Malakoff runs away and hides. And they run away, and they just say, "Nope, we are we are gonna we're gonna jump out to like a twenty-four nothing lead with three minutes left in the second quarter, and it's just over at that point." But if you let Mount Vernon hang around, they're gonna win. You got to bear. Yeah, yeah you you've got to uh, put your foot on the throat of Mount Vernon. If you yeah. let them hang around, I think you put it perfectly. I think if Malakoff is does not run away and hide with this game by halftime. It's you almost got to start thinking Mount Vernon's going to win the game because they've just found a way in a lot of these close games. They've ma- they've made a, a knack of it in a lot of ways. So yeah. um, Malakoff, on the other hand, is other than the Grandview game, has just bludgeoned everyone. So yeah. I, th- I, I think, think it's a great observation there, and I, I, think, I completely I think agree. The difference for me is going to be the Malakoff defense. Um, I think that and 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 one thing is that. In a lot of ways, last week against Mineola, and I think the reason that Mount Vernon has had had success, if you look at their defensive six, when they've had really nice defensive efforts, uh, both against Mineola, um, you know, a, 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 a couple of other games, uh, West, those were relatively one-dimensional teams. Trevion Sneed was a lot of what Mineola did. Like, that was a lot of their offense. Mm-hmm. Malakoff ain't that way. Malakoff has a lot of ways to beat you offensively when you add in the fact that their defense is playing at another level. And I think, I think, I think you know, there's two ways to look at it. Do they come in thinking like mission accomplished, hang the banner, like we did it, or do they come in saying, this is the final sprint. We've already gotten past the hard part. Let's just keep going. That's a lot of this comes down to, I think how well Jamie Driscoll refocuses his teams team going up against Mount Vernon because this is absolutely a Mount Vernon team that if you let them hang around, they will beat you. Uh, so I think that's a lot of this game comes out of that first half. I'm, I'm really, really interested in what's going on. Uh, that game is in Mesquite at Hanby. Yes, that's where I was last night. Oh, I thought that was at Memorial. Oh. No, it was at Hanby last night, yeah. 
So there you go. There is your regional final draft. Step took Shiner and Refurio, as well as Corpus Christi Miller and Austin LBJ. And he took uh, Post and Cisco. I took Carthage, China Spring, Gunner Eastland, and Malakoff and Mount Vernon. Big East Texas week for me. Um, four teams, or you know, at least three teams from East Texas. All right. Uh, where are you heading this week, Step? Uh, so last night I was at uh, Mesquite and Tyler Legacy uh, Monday night game. Uh, it's Tuesday morning. We're recording. Um, so I was at that game last night. Um, Tyler Legacy won 21-7 to keep their playoff hopes alive. Um, tomorrow, Wednesday evening, I will be at a game as Haslett Eaton takes on Keller Timber Creek in a big game in District 4-6A. Um, so a couple of big school kind of games that are, have playoff implications. Um, Thursday, I'm going to Bowie uh, for Munster and Winthorst. So I'll get to see Brady Carney, the 2A coach of the week, uh, <laughs> who just yeah, whatever me. Uh, so that's okay, Coach Carney. He gave me a good Mexican food recommendation in Decatur, so I may stop in Decatur. We'll see. Um, but stay tuned for my uh, road trip video for that. Uh, and then Friday, I'm going to Henderson Friday night. I'm going to go see Timpson. Uh, take on Beckville out in Henderson Friday night. Looking forward to seeing the Bears and, and, and Beckville go at it. Beckville's kind of a surprise team. Hey, hey uh, I just want to point out, time out. Last week, last week, I took Beckville Normandy on this draft, and it turned out to be an awesome game. It did. It did. It's, it's, it's like you know a little bit about high school football or something. It's Good crazy. Good job, Tepper. Good job, yeah, Mission accomplished. <laughs> uh, and then Saturday um, – so Saturday is going to be a busy day for me because I, I'll be trying to collect uh, playoff information for the 6A-5A schools and getting brackets together. But then uh, Saturday afternoon, I'll head out to McKinney uh, for Argyle and Paris um, uh, at 6 o'clock kickoff there in McKinney uh, Saturday evening. So Another uh, question, another question there in, like, let down. Like, you beat, the, you beat the team that you couldn't beat. Yeah. And here's, here comes a team that I think you're better than. But, but it's see? dangerous. Paris is dangerous because of their athleticism. So they absolutely are. They yeah. give they give Argyle hell the first time. They did. They did. They give Argyle trouble. So, uh, so that's the uh, that's the schedule this week. It's a, it's a good busy week. And then uh, and then for for grins on Monday next week, I'll be going to a game Monday night also as Keller and Timber Creek play in a game that likely will decide fourth place in District Four Six A. That's and right. Then, a Monday. 6A, 5A game. Yes, the UIL gave the district uh, an extension on certification, so there we'll you go. We'll probably talk about that when we do record our other podcast this afternoon. Um, okay, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Please tell your friends uh, that you like this podcast and tell them that they should subscribe to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider so they can listen to it as well. Uh, Step, thanks for your courage. Thank you. Talk to you very soon. Thank you.